As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. It's Sports Yak. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that would eat a blizzard inside a blizzard just for the poetic symmetry, it's Sifpa. <laughs> Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most weekends or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Butcher. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he's directed by Robert Zemeckis. It's Andrew Ormsby. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Each week, we'll chat about movies, television, whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. Uh, good to see you, man. Good to see you. Hey, you too. I like that. That was really good. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, with That's the like a top five intro. intro for me. Oh, not wow. Top five. I love it. Thank you very yeah. much. Uh, thank you to the Sif Pop family hanging out with us live. Thank you to the Sif Pop family who is listening later. We love you all. We appreciate you all. This is now a video and audio podcast. We are trying to do both. Imagine that. And if you want to watch live, you can do that in several places. Uh, YouTube.com slash Sif Pop. Facebook.com slash Sif Pop. Twitch.com slash Aaron Dicer. Or Twitter.com slash Aaron Dicer. All uh, will be active within the chat. We can see all of the comments on all of those places. Uh, so if you want to come hang out with us live and watch the show, it happens at 1.30 Central Time Sunday afternoon. So, you know, somewhere around the uh, the third quarter of the 1 o'clock game, you know, or whatever, however Sundays work anymore uh, with, with football. Who knows what's going on there? But, I think it's um, halftime. <laughs> somewhere right around halftime of the, the first batch of games. You can come hang out with us. Yeah. Uh, already in the chat, uh, Buck Reviewer says, oh no, Andrew's a Saints fan. Yeah. yeah oh to, yes, had Andrew's to represent a Saints today. fan. <laughs> I, it's Andrew is a mighty Saints fan. Listen, you know what? You do you. Uh, the, the chat is, uh, is canceling you, though, uh, for, for being a Saints fan. So That's fine. It's, they're not worthy of being a member of the Houdat Nation. <laughs> uh, Jay Bourgeois says, thank you for saving me from having to listen to more of the Bears versus Lions game. Uh, yes, as a Michigander born and raised, uh, Lions football is not my favorite thing. 
We'll just say it that way. We'll just say it that way. Uh, We've got some pop culture fun stuff that we're going to talk about today, though. We will get around to the Charlie Kaufman movie that came out on Netflix last week. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things. We are also going to be talking about season two of The Boys, uh, which is a show on uh, Amazon Prime. Yes, uh, the first four episodes, I think, are out. Did you get a chance to watch all four? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we've watched the first four episodes uh, of The Boys, and we'll be chatting a little bit about that as well. Of course, we've got some buried treasure. Uh, We've got a best ever challenge on Jesse Plemons movies. Uh, Jesse's been a a fun part of the pop culture landscape for a few years now, so we thought we'd look in on his uh, filmography, see what the best movies that he's been in are. Um, But uh, we'll kick it off with some reviews, Andrew, if you're ready. Let's do it, man. All right, let's get into uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Jake, my boyfriend. It's snowing. Winter is coming in. We have a real connection. A rare and intense attachment. I've never experienced anything like it. I'm thinking of ending things. Huh? What? Did you say something? I don't think so. Weird. Full of misgivings, a young woman travels with her new boyfriend to his parents' secluded farm. And that is about all you're going to get as far as the description goes on this one. It comes to us through the brain of Charlie Kaufman, uh, who you may know from writing movies like being John Malkovich, Adaptation, um, Synecdoche, New York. Uh, I'm trying to think of some others. Oh, he did on Anomalisa. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. He wrote, that's right, uh, Michelle Gondry directed that one. Uh, Spike Jones directed a couple of the others. This one, he's doing it all, writing, directing, and yeah. uh, similar to what he did on Anomalisa. Although I've heard him talk about that the process on Anomalisa was kind of frustrating to him. Um, and so I think this is kind it of one frustrate- of- It was frustrating for me to watch. So. <laughs> yeah, I like that movie I more than you do. Uh, yeah. So I wonder if we'll maybe have a repeat here with this one. I'm thinking of ending things. What did you think, Andrew? Did you like it? Love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay. I think I liked it. <laughs> okay, that's better than Anomalisa. You know, you were pretty yeah, sure you oh, didn't yeah. like that one. So yeah, uh, for I saw this movie a couple days ago, and I'm still thinking about oh, sure, it, sure. like trying to process it. So yeah, but uh, I think I think I liked it. There's. What what did you think before I get into it? Oh sure, um, I'm in. I'm firmly at least in the liked it camp, and I imagine I'm going to continue to to crawl upwards. This movie is resonating with me in a lot of really cool ways uh, that I think I may actually land towards the loved it uh, category. But right now, I'm just going to say high side of liked it uh, because I, yeah. I I still need to think about it, let it kind of simmer in my brain a little bit more but it continues to reveal itself to me in some interesting ways uh and charlie kaufman man i i simultaneously am sad for that man and impressed by that man like the the things that he is doing both in this movie and in anomalisa are so artistically impressive i know you disagree with anomalisa just forgive me that that i kind of lumped sure, them together yeah um, I, I was just going to say, well, he didn't say Anomaly. See, he said any other one of his movies. <laughs> right. Yeah. You just can pretend like that. Uh, yeah. It's it's both impressive what he's doing artistically and also gives you insight into his idea of humanity and sadness. And uh, there's something authentically 
desperate and depressing about his art that is um that just lingers like i said it just lingers with me how did it strike you like even just emotionally or as you're watching it like what was this movie for you uh honestly it was a roller coaster of emotions uh basic mainly because i think he's saying so much which i'll get into later um but the um the realism as far as like you know having a a conversation in your head with yourself you know which uh Lucy, Louise, whatever. I'll just call her Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) I think in the credits, she's called um, Young Woman or something like that. Young Woman? Yeah. I can't remember. It's something like that. It's something very general uh, in the credits. But yeah. I'll just stick with Lucy for now. Fair enough. Um, How um, she's having, you know, these, uh, you know, thoughts in her head. And then like in the middle of her thoughts, Jesse Plymouth will just chime in because he doesn't know that, you know, she's in the middle of a thought or anything like that. In so many movies, you know, somebody will have a thought and the person will finish having their thought. And then the uh, the other actor or actress in the scene will then begin to talk as if they somehow knew that was their cue for their dialogue to start. Yeah, uh, but not here. Um, it, it, there were parts of this movie where I was wondering if uh, Jesse Plymouth's character could actually hear what she was thinking. Mm-hmm. There's so much in this movie where, yeah, there's so much in this movie where I'm wondering is what I'm curious about actually happening, or am I just putting something that I think is happening in the movie that's not supposed to be there? This is a, I think this is a common thing with uh, art that, uh, especially movies, that try to be more than just a typical film, right? And you can, you, you know, Kaufman, yeah. when he sets out to do something, is going to do something a little more than typical. It's going to be atypical in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. uh, and I think one of the factors, uh, not factors, but one of the results, the consequences of doing that is what you're talking about. This idea that it, it becomes a, a canvas for you to paint your own ideas on, for you to paint your own realities on, for you to start to draw connections. That doesn't mean that Kaufman doesn't have an intent or the artist doesn't have an intent with what they're doing. It just means great art almost, um, it, it supersedes that intent in many ways. So even what the artist is intending, the people take, uh, you know, different. I think The Matrix is a good example of a movie like this, right? There's there's enough mm. metaphor and analogy and stuff going on with what they're doing there. It's fantastical. It's different. It's not normal. And you can certainly read the text and kind of see what's going on in the text. But the subtext is so mis- mysterious. There are religious themes. There's all these things going on in the movie. And so you can kind of write your own theories about what that means and what that is. And I, I think those are some of the best films. And I think this is definitely one of those movies where you'll come away going, Wait, so is this mean this or is this person this or why did this happen in this? And I'm I try not to give too much away here when we're not doing spoilers. This is definitely one we will do a sift spoil on, so that'll show up in your podcast oh, yeah. feed. Um and we may even uh, broadcast live on that. I I forgot to uh, ask producer Phil if that was something we were going to do. Um but we'll see about that. But what I can say right now is that I think this movie has a very at least to me clear text that it's trying to get across even as even as strange as it is as it is but that i think that text is uh beautiful enough to expand to some different areas and and different things that you're thinking so um i'm I, yeah. i'm really excited to have that conversation hear what you got out of it and kind of um 
you know, what you pulled from it? Uh, basically what I found in this movie is just, like I said, I think that Charlie Kaufman is saying a lot in this movie and that can be a negative with this type of thing where you can try and say too much that it kind of muddles, you know, what is, you know, really going on. Um, uh, I'll just say that my favorite set, I guess I could say is at the farmhouse. Um, I think that's the clear winner for me as far as like uh, uh, scenes that, you know, were holding me and trying to capture my attention. That's where mm-hmm. it was. Um, I found this movie saying a lot of beautiful things about Alzheimer's or uh, watching watching a loved one have to watch uh, people they know go through that. Something um, <clears throat> how um, some of this movie had me thinking like what I'm seeing right now. Uh, basically a lot of what Lucy's seeing in the house is what I imagine somebody with Alzheimer's goes through, like going back and forth in time mm. and seeing, you know, sure. separate different things. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then she's watching Jesse Plemons go through all of this, uh, you know, watching his parents, you know, so it's like she's the one in the looking glass watching him have to deal with all of this. Um, again, Tony Collette just proves time and time again that she is one of, if not one of the greatest actresses of all time mm-hmm. and for weird roles too. weird roles. Yeah. Like, uh, if you, if, if there's a weird role that could possibly have to do something with thriller, Tony Collette's hand just goes up like, I got this. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Put me you in know? coach. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Put me in coach. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I think that there is a sense that if you're going into this not knowing about uh, Charlie Kaufman's work, that you can get a sense of pretentiousness from this movie. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, the way the way I looked at it was um, Wes Anderson started from a place of pretentiousness, but he's come around to being a more accessible director his movies are more accessible now than i think his earlier works were whereas i think kaufman you look at some of his earlier works i think they were more accessible but they've kind of transitioned into a more pretentious has a a negative connotation it does yeah um, but um you know a more s- a sublime way of making movies to where they're not really as accessible as his earlier works. And I think that this is, if you want to call that type of, you know, craziness Kaufman, then this is full Kaufman. Yes. Um, I, I think a lot of this comes down to your willingness to go along for the ride. I think there's a, there's a different, yeah, yes. Yeah. Literally. Uh, there is a difference, I think, between the confusion you might feel watching this and the confusion you might feel watching um, the uh, tenant, right? Like those are different kinds of confusion. Uh, tenant is yeah. something where you're just there are you're just missing the pieces, right? Like there are just pieces yeah. that you need to continue to put together to to see the whole puzzle. With a movie this, like you, you question reality, correct. With a movie like this, you are you're more missing a code. Maybe you're missing like a a key that will help you understand what's going on. Then once you have that key, I think things fall into place. Now the question is, what is that key? What is that code breaker? You know, what is that thing that that makes this movie yeah. 
real for you, that makes it interesting for you. And um, and again, that goes back to what I was saying about how sometimes great art can have several different codes, several different keys. And um, I, you know, I have my own ideas, and I'm excited to talk about them uh, in the spoilers. But I think a lot of it comes down to how you view and what you understand about the relationship between Jesse Plemons's character um, and Jesse Buckley's character and the janitor character. Those three characters have a relationship in this movie that begs you to reckon with. It begs you to reckon with what is their relationship, how do they relate to each other, and I think how you answer those questions uh, will probably define <laughs> how confused you feel during the movie. Is that, a, is that a fair way to say it? Yeah. Oh, the theory crafting in this movie was uh, was uh, on from beginning to end. Like, I think that this is this. I think that this is this, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, obviously, yeah. Uh, I think our spoiler uh, cast for this is going to be a fairly lengthy conversation about what not only what this movie meant to us, you know, in the spoilers, but mm-hmm. also what the movie possibly was trying to hint at with certain things. Rob says, I feel like Kaufman's films tend to benefit from someone else's direction, another mind helping tell the story. Um, I kind of disagree. Which is funny because this isn't his original story. It's an adaptation no, of a book. No, it's an adaptation of a book, which is different, right? It didn't come straight whole cloth out of his brain. I've heard that yeah. a lot, Rob. I've, he- I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, Kaufman needs somebody to kind of rein him in. And I don't know that I fully agree. I will say I love it when he teams up with Spike Jones. I think they work well together. Um, yeah. And it's not like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is a bad movie or anything. That's a great collaboration, too. But, um, but you know, I think... It's, it, it's possibly the greatest Kaufman movie ever. I think it takes... Um, I, I think Kaufman is well on his way to uh, not only making good movies, but making movies that more accurately represent the emotion he wants to put on screen. So, you know, when you have other people kind of directing that, like Spike Jones or Michelle Gondry, uh, they have the ability to put their stamp on it. And that's great because we like their stamps. But what Kaufman's doing now is he's saying, no, 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 this is me. You know, that was me with somebody else, but this is the kind of movie I want to make. And it's not necessarily going to be for everybody, but I don't think that makes it better or worse. I just think it makes it different. And I think he's really figuring himself out. There's a scene in this, yeah, there's a scene in this movie. Um, where the uh, characters are talking about abstract art, like uh, Jackson yes. Pollock and stuff yes. like that, yeah. and I'm like, I think that I think that Kaufman right now is doing a commentary on how people view his movies. I think that he is saying in this analogy that he is Jackson Pollock. He he includes many conversations in this movie that have. Uh, repercussions on the idea of how he is making his movie, right? There are, yeah. the, this movie plays a lot with pop culture, with ideas, uh, the musical Oklahoma. Uh, there's a speech yeah. in this movie. Oh, I got so many things I want to say about that. Yeah, there's there's a speech that comes directly from another movie in this. Uh, there's a, a character starts reciting a movie criticism that comes directly from an actual critic of an actual film. Like there's just all these moments where he is doing, there's a, there's a movie within the movie at one point. Uh, and <laughs> it's, he's, he's really using pop culture to say, okay, this is what it, what it is, but 
but here's what I'm doing. And so I think you're right. I think he's pointing yeah. to himself in a lot of ways with what he's choosing to include. Yeah. So I think I've always sense. thought of Kaufman as like uh, the Van Gogh of uh, movie makers. I know he w- made the uh, analogy more towards the abstract with uh, Jackson Pollock, but I think that he, for me, relates to more as like a Van Gogh as opposed to anybody, how he's totally by a portion of the you know, world misunderstood and that his brain is working on this totally different spectrum than the rest of ours. And because of that, he's able to see the world differently than the rest of us. And his movies are pretty much a, a window into the world of Kaufman. And that's what his movies are. We get to see his mind working. Um, we did have a question from uh, Jay in the comments. Aaron and or Andrew, how did you feel about Synecdoche, New York? Uh, do you remember much about that movie, Andrew? I'm not sure. I, don't oh, think, we uh, I think it's Sandusky, it. isn't it? Sandusky, New York? <laughs> no, no, it is not Sandusky. Uh, that's the, uh, w- uh, that's, uh, what's the, what's his name? This is the one with, this is the one that is like a, a movie within a movie set within a movie set apartment within apartment within an apartment. It's like, it's several levels of um, things going on. I haven't watched it in a while. I remember being really intrigued by it. And I wonder if I went back and watched it now, kind of how I would feel, how I would feel about it. But um, I do remember enjoying Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Where he's like, been trying to put on a play for like, was it 40 years? Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I said movie. I meant play. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know what you meant, yeah, but, uh, gosh, Kaufman. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I, I used to think, I used to say in terms of who is a movie maker that's like M.C. Escher, I used to put Kaufman and uh, Nolan kind of both in that camp. And I really think Escher is more Nolan. I think you're right. I think Kaufman is yeah. more of the the Van Gogh or somebody who's just painting outside of the lines in a way to create emotion to still tell a story, but to to more more importantly convey some truth about life and death and existence, you know, with with a cinematic paintbrush. And there, you know, there is a scene towards the end of this uh, this movie that I think does that perfectly, and actually I think serves as that code breaker. I think the the final scene serves as kind of a code breaker to the rest of the movie. Uh, at least did for me, and he's just so talented at that. And I think that's more than just the um, playing with time, playing with perspective, those kind of things that Nolan loves to do. I think it's a different kind of thing. So I, I don't know that I would say uh, that he is Escher anymore. I think I, I think I agree with you. I think it'd be more Van Gogh for Kaufman or something similar to that. Yeah. So or even Picasso. Some of the stuff Picasso did, yeah. you know, with uh, changing the way to, to to bring an emotion. Not that, not that again, I know a ton about, uh, you know, famous artists. I just kind of know the basics. But oh, you know, somebody who has an art yeah, degree. Far would, be it from me to be the uh, <laughs> right the, uh, <laughs> the expert. Uh, well, anything else you wanted to mention uh, about this film? Uh, no post credit scene, and uh, well, there, I guess there technically is, but it's part of the credits. So. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'll just say no post credit scene, nothing you have to wait for. Um, and I think it's a very, very important uh, beginning credit scene. Uh, I think it, it has a lot of emotion to it. Um, at least it did for me. So, so oh, yeah. the opening credits. 
No, no, no. I mean, yeah. I mean the end credits, the opening of the end credits, or the over credit scene. I think is you know probably how it would be be stated. We yeah. can talk about that in spoilers, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, you just have to be aware of your audience as a critic and know who to recommend this movie to. It's not one you recommend to everybody. That is true. That is true. Um, you kind of know those people in your life that are, yeah, you know, uh, cinema lovers who enjoy uh, more of a challenge. I here's 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 something else I want to say uh, that we don't that isn't a spoiler, so we don't have to wait to say it till spoilers. Kaufman has this incredible way of trusting his audience, and I love it. I love it when a director or a writer says, I'm not going to give you everything because I trust you to be able to do the work. I trust you to be able to feel what I'm trying to say, to put some disparate pieces together. I'm not going to spell it out for you. And I really enjoy that. I really like that. And I think Kaufman is one of the best at that, at really just kind of saying, I trust you to take what you're going to take from this movie, I'm putting out there what I want to put out there. And so that's a, another thing I really enjoy about what he does, uh, and especially in this movie. I, for me, it's a big recommend. I, I would recommend it because I really do think uh, I will end up in the, uh, light, uh, the loved it category. The only thing I can see myself not liking about this movie, especially upon rewatches, are how... Um, dark it is this movie is very and i don't mean actually light and dark i mean as far as there it 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 really has a a depression draw to it that can really bring you into some really dark places and that is an aspect of humanity it's it's not something i want to ignore that that is a a truth that, that we can struggle with but to continue to live it uh over and over again as far as rewatchability um, I, I don't know that, that that part of it for me was good. It wasn't something that I liked about the movie. Um, it is something that is intentional about the movie. It is something that, that makes it even more artistic, but it's not something that, um, that I want to necessarily continue to experience again and again, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very good. I think that's about it. About all we have to say about I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, by the way, the title is pretty clever as well when you really start to think about it. So um, we can get that into that more in spoilers as well. Uh, let's move on to the next uh, review. We're going to talk about The Boys, Season 2, Episodes 1 through 4. Is there anything I can help you with? I'm not going to piss you about, Huey. I heard what happened to Robin. You ain't alone, son. Soups lose hundreds of people each year to collateral damage. I can't stop. I can't stop. Snacks, where I mean the boys are coming. Spank the bastards when they get out of line. Can you control her, please? Superheroes are often as popular as celebrities, as influential as politicians, and sometimes even revered as gods. But that's when they're using their powers for good. What happens when the heroes go rogue and start abusing their powers? Uh, The Boys is on Amazon, and uh, I think it's on Amazon Prime, right? This is the Amazon is. Prime show. Season two released with the first three episodes, and then we'll be releasing an episode every Friday. So there was a fourth one this Friday. Uh, Andrew, what did you think uh, as far as these first four episodes goes? You like them, love them, dislike them, hate them, or were they just okay? 
Uh, I really like them. I really like them. I'm going to go with disappointed, but what's interesting about that is I would still say I'm on the low side of like them, um, maybe high side of okay. Uh, what I did you think of season one? I, I Season one, I am on the high side of liked it. I think it did some really interesting things, uh, had some really important things, I think, to say about our culture, about what it means to hero worship, uh, about all those kind of things. Um, and, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm already feeling a bit tired of the formula. I just, I see the formula peeking through in every episode and it's just, I don't know. I'm getting a little bored. Is that, I, I don't know why I, it's hard for me to put my finger on except to say it's just, I'm, it, it feels like, it feels like treading water to me in some ways. I don't, I don't know where we're going. And I, I need a little something to hold on to, I think. Uh, well, I think that this fourth episode, the way it wrapped up, I think that this is like really what could have been the beginning of the season. Like as far as like fair. the yeah. main story arc. Because like as soon as like things are revealed in the fourth episode, I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah, let's let's uh let's go, let's go, let's do this. But it took four episodes to get here. And the first three, don't get me wrong, I laughed. I, uh, if you can say that the boys has a paint by numbers of funny scene in uncomfortably graphically gory scene, um, and then, uh, just a, a quick funny commentary back and forth. I think that that's the uh, formula that you see in every single one of these episodes, as well as, you know, a commentary on like hero worship and stuff like that. Like they're, there's like, they're hitting all their marks, but mm -hmm. I think. The fourth episode is really like, okay, here's our paint by numbers, but here's what the story's going to be. And I think that they should have brought that a little closer to the beginning, you know? Because I don't see any reason why they should have held off from that up until this point. I totally agree. Uh, as far as moving the story forward a little bit, I would also say I still don't think that I have found a story that I'm interested in enough to be drawn by in this season yet. Um, it feels like every character is just, yeah, I get it now. I mean, how many more times do I need to see Homelander do something evil? Like, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I, I, there's some, there was something about that first season that felt like every step of the way was a revelation about a character, a character or something that I cared about that I wanted to, to know more about. And this season is just, I, man, I, I'm just, I've lost my footing. I just don't know where to, to place my interest. And because of that, I, I am getting bored with it. Um, and so mm. that's now having said that, I still like that it, it exists and I like, I think what it's trying to do overall. And I guess I should trust that they have someone somewhere that they're trying to go. Um, I, for me, I wonder if, man, maybe this was supposed to just be a movie. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't know where we're going. I don't know. I don't know how, how much more of this, you know, because like the, I think this, this show also likes to shock, right? Which is, you know, understandable. Um, and, but then I just, I just see like that, that desperation to have another shock moment and it, most of them aren't working for me. Um, so yeah. I'm just, I'm not having a great time. 
I know what uh, I, I I'm gonna say right here. I I disagree on the fact that I am having a great time. I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying the show. Yeah, but I am I so far I am saying that I like season one more. Yeah. Um, but I think that I they've made their point already with you know the shock violence and gore and stuff like that. Like you know what these superheroes do. You see them do in comics where they're like punch a bad guy or something like that. And the bad guy just falls down. No, the bad guy would lose his head, you know, cause mm-hmm. they punch so hard. Right. And they're trying to hit a realism with that, you know, quote unquote realism of like realistically what the superhero would do to them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I also found in season one, how it was fascinating of, uh, how this being worshiped and everything can go to your head and give you a, uh, a mentality of I can do anything. I can do anything I want. Who's going to stop me? You know, I think Homelander is the prime example of that. You know, he's the, uh, what if, uh, he is, <laughs> what, uh, he is a bright burn grown up. If bright burn was a good movie, you know, uh-huh. uh, but, uh, there's just, uh, I, I'm, I'm not as fascinated with the, the hero slash villains as much as I am like, I like watching Butcher and Huey and Frenchie and, you know, I just, that group, that crew, it, uh, is it Kamiko? Is that her name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Kimiko. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that crew uh, is the one I'm really fascinated with and I like to spend the most time with. I think that they have the more interesting story arc. See, I would make a distinction between, um, f- so when I think of that crew, uh, I am not fascinated by them. I enjoy spending time with them. I like them. I I like being with. I like the dynamic between Butcher and um the, the kid's name is slipping my brain right now. But uh, I like their dynamic. But oh, Huey, yeah, Huey. I like Huey and Butcher together. I think their dynamic works really well. But I'm just not. I'm not invested in like that's the same. That's the same relationship they've had since episode one season one and and i just don't know when that changes if it changes why it changes i'm ready for that um with these characters that i do enjoy actually spending time with um i just the more the more i watch television the older i get the more i am impatient with tv and it's just like there and it's not that i need like a hit every second or something like that but i need to Feel the momentum of the story. I need you to tell me why I care so that I continue to care. Show me. Don't tell me. Show me. Uh, let's be clear. Uh, why I yeah. care about these characters and what's going on in, in their world right now. And it's like, okay, so I, there's, you know, Gus Fring is is at the head of, you know, the company. And I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Giancarlo Esposito is really underused right now. Yeah, yeah. So there's that scene with him and Homelander. And I'm like, Oh, I need more of that. What am I? Let me ask you this, Andrew, since you like it more than I do. Um, and it's going to sound out like it's, it really is sounding like I don't like the show anymore. Um, it should be sounding like it won't be long before I don't like the show anymore. I still like the show right now, but if it doesn't, if it doesn't soon, uh, start growing beyond what it is, uh, I'm, I'll just kind of be bored with it. So my question to you is, Andrew, as somebody who likes the show, what do you get? Ex- like, you've got an episode uh, coming out on Prime. You've got all these other things to watch, right? What mm-hmm. makes you go, oh, I need to watch the boy, the next episode of The Boys first. I want to, I, I really need to get that on my TV. What excites you to see the next episode? 
it's it's I'm trying to think of a way to say this without spoiling what's happened. Uh, what what is Kamiko planning on doing with what has happened in this season? I think that's a really interesting story that I'm curious about. Um, I think it's fair without spoiling to to, to say vengeance. So you're you're talking about the idea of uh, I want to see vengeance served. Yeah. Uh, Starlight surviving within the Vought Tower. Okay. Because I just, every single time she's back there, I just get, you know, tense and nervous for and scared for, uh, which she can take care of herself, obviously, but still there's, there's that air of dread in that building, you know? Um, and I'm curious, uh, from my knowledge of the comic books, what they're going to do with Black Noir. I'm, I'm curious what you, you found one, you found one that I actually would be curious to see if they're ever going to do, which is the Black Noir character. But I have a feeling that character is just going to remain a throwaway joke. Um, and I could be wrong about that. I hope I'm wrong about that. But right now, in the comics, it's it's revealed and it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it, you'll either love it or hate it, sort of thing. Yeah, but yeah. Black I, Noir. He's he's funny and he's also creepy too. See, you said you said he. Maybe that's maybe they have gendered in the show. I didn't even remember hearing that, so I didn't know. You know, he, she, they. I did. I had no idea. Oh, I and, just necessarily. But um, the royal he, I guess. <laughs> the royal. So it was one of those things where, uh, with that character, I'm like, uh, you know, that's that's something I'm interested in that could change. That could be interesting, but it's just a throwaway joke on the show right now. It's just like anytime they need, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, cut to. Uh, big information has be re- been revealed, and Black Noir is forlorn about it, and he's sitting on the floor. You know what I mean? Like it, they use it as a punchline more than uh, any yeah. kind of character development. Um, so yeah, I just there's just a, there's a lot that could be happening, and maybe maybe it's just na- maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just the natural thing where some things you don't connect to over a longer period of time, and some things you do. Um, I just remember on shows like this where I fell in love with a group of characters in the world building uh, that did work for me. It always felt like I was going somewhere and there was a mystery or something to figure out or to solve. Um, And I just don't know what that is here. So um, other than who is Black Noir, that would be the only one. Uh, I will keep watching though. I will keep watching for sure, at least for a few more episodes. And then, uh, if I stop, I will do a, a, a breakup segment with, uh, with the boys like I used to do. So, um, and, uh, mm. and break up with the show. Uh, but, uh, I don't see that happening anytime soon. You uh, haven't done that in forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe I should break up with, uh, with some of the, my other shows. <laughs> Just so you can do it. I'm just a long-term relationship guy. Yeah, I guess. I need a segment. I need a segment for the show. I, I'll, I'll, I'll stop watching something. Um, anything else you wanted to say about the boys, Andrew? Uh, n- no, not really. It's, it's if you like season one, I think you'll like season two. Uh, it's it's slower uh, picking off, but I think that there is a story here that they are just now getting to. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. I want more. I want more, but I'm still hanging on. Still hanging on. Uh, All right. Before we head on to the best ever challenge, just a reminder that you can support Sif Pop and uh, keep this live video audio podcast going. We appreciate you so much uh, to our Sif Pop members, which is at Patreon, patreon.com slash Sif Pop. 
Uh, support starts at three bucks a month, and there's some fun perks there, stuff you can look at. Thank you so much for making this possible. Um, much of the equipment, uh, the the um, the websites, the stuff that happens at the website, uh, being able to afford the software to do this uh, comes from you as a SIFPOP member. So thank you for doing that. Uh, again, if you want to check it out, it's at patreon.com slash SIFPOP. Patreon.com slash SIFPOP. Thank you so much. It uh, means the world to us that you would think to uh, throw some money our way each month. Um, we appreciate it. And thank you. Uh, all right, let's move on to the best ever challenge, Andrew. We're going to take a look at the best ever Jesse Plemons movies uh, since yeah, Jesse was are. in um, Thinking of Ending Things. Uh, we will go number five to number one, maybe throw in some honorable mentions. He doesn't have a huge plethora of honorable mentions that we could even you know go to, but he does have He's enough. He's more of a TV guy. He does. Have, he was in TV for for quite a while. Um, so let's talk about it. What are your favorite Jesse Plemons movies? Movies that he's in, and uh, kick us off at your number five, Andrew. Number five. I'm going to go with The Irishman. Good choice. Uh, yeah. I'm going to trump it. Cool. <laughs> uh, my number five is The Post. Uh, Jesse Plemons. Oh, was, that was uh, one of the first time honorable mentions. Yeah, nice. real good. Yeah, I really enjoy this movie, and I hear a lot of you know worry that Spielberg's later movies, you know, aren't as good as his earlier movies, that kind of thing. Um, I understand it. I get it. I you know, but man, he makes good movies. He really knows how to tell a story, and this is uh, the case of him telling a great story and having a great cast to do it. Uh, I love the the people in this movie, and so yeah, this you get is, Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks in a movie, and it's pretty much just a done deal. It's a winner. That's right. That's right. That's all you need to do. Yeah. Done at casting. Yeah. You ha- you had me at at casting. Uh, yeah. So so yeah. So the post. If you haven't checked it out, uh, I think it slipped under some people's radar. I think it's really good. And Jesse Plemons is in there. So there you go. Yes, he is. Uh, what's your number four? Uh, my num- I'm going to go with the uh, El Camino. Oh yeah, the Breaking Bad movie. Which that is was Spanish in my- for the Camino. <laughs> that was in my honorable mentions uh for yeah. sure i like that it didn't rely on you know it, it didn't have to have callback after callback after callback for it to be a fascinating story they found a story and uh we got a satisfying i guess you could say conclusion or whatever mm-hmm. it didn't like oh when's the next uh cameo gonna happen or anything like that no it was just a story that and aaron all just insane Mm-hmm. Such a good actor. Yeah, he's great. And Jesse Plemons was terrifying in the show, and he well terrifying. He's creepy in the show, and he's creepy here too. It's great. <laughs> uh, I was really impressed with this movie. This movie is better than it has any right to be, uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with the care and um, and control that Vince Gilligan has on this universe. And it's I was just, about to say, I don't think Vin Gill- Vince Gilligan has you know his half butts. I know we're on radio. Uh, half of us, his, uh, <laughs> right. his uh, Breaking Bad universe. You look at this, yeah. or better call Saul, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. I think he does uh, great stuff all around, uh, all the way back to the X-Files, in fact. Uh, so, yep. yeah, so I'm I'm always pleased with what he does, and that, that movie was no different for me. Uh, nice. You're number four. My number four is Vice, um, which I really enjoyed. Uh, it's and- my number three. We can go ahead and talk about it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so, so now we'll talk about it as your number three fun. Uh, so yeah, yeah, so vice is one of those that is, uh, 
I think takes kind of some pondering on after you watch it to really start to sink in kind of what that movie is doing and what it is trying to say. And it still blows my mind that this is a movie that when you talk about the idea of both sides, you know, Republicans, Democrats, all that kind of, you know, fun division stuff came away going, uh, oh, that was an unfair portrayal of him. Uh, one side was like, that was, he was way too, why did you try to humanize him? He was way too nice and caring about his family. And this is an evil person who did evil things to this country. And, you know, you can't make people feel good about him. And the other side is like, oh, you're just making him look like the devil. He's doing all this stuff and he did great stuff for our country. And it's like, what an interesting thing you can do when you make a movie that, uh, that is equally misunderstood by everybody or possibly equally understood. And I, I don't know. I think there's, there's something uh, admirable there. And uh, I, for one thought it was a really interesting exploration of this man. And beyond that, maybe one of the greatest uh, acting performances I've ever seen. So um, uh, you, you can't convince me that that was Christian Bale. Yeah. They actually got, <laughs> they actually got him. They actually got uh, Dick Cheney. I forget his name. Dick Cheney. Yeah, thanks. They actually got Dick Cheney to do his own stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah it's it's amazing. Um, and and also George W. You know that there that you can't convince me that that was uh, that wasn't Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Yeah. <laughs> God, I love that guy so much. Yeah. But yeah, so that was my number three. So what's your number three? My number three, we can talk about The Irishman then uh, that I choked on earlier. Um, I'm still, this is one of those movies that I still really think I like, but it is definitely moved, like the needle's moving the wrong way on this one for me. I I cannot think of, in my mind, uh, a reason why I would rewatch this. (laughs) Like, it's, it's very long. I feel like I got it all the first time. Uh, I liked it. I still like the idea of it. I like that Scorsese is doing something more consequential with the gangster idea here than in most of his films. And by consequential, I don't mean important. By consequential, I mean actually has consequences to the actions of these gangsters. This is a movie about the loneliness of living that life. Uh, And so, yeah, so I, I really like what it's doing, but I just can't find myself getting excited to ever watch it again. No, I can't. It's it's too big of an undertaking. Yeah, like uh, uh, it's it, it honestly it would feel like working out. You know, like okay, I gotta stretch. I gotta get ready. I gotta get limbered up. Make sure I got plenty of water. I gotta go watch the Irishman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it is good though. I mean, we both had it in our top five. It's just right. I, I can't do it again. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Um. All right, that brings us to your number two. Yes. And you're going to trump it, so. <laughs> I'll just say game night. Yes, I will trump that. Uh, that is yeah. obviously my number one. My number two is Bridge of Spies, uh, which I really enjoy. I think more than most people, actually. Um, yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah, a lot of I've gotten that response from a lot of people, but. That's it may, Spielberg, too, isn't it? Yeah, it may just be Tom Hanks kind of thing, too. I just, I, I love watching him in any of these movies, and I, I found this. Uh, really engaging one of those movies that i was definitely on board with through the entire time and just trying to figure out how it was going to resolve everything that was going to happen and um yeah i like bridge of spies that was my number two yeah uh 
I think that Mark Rylance is fair in this movie. I don't think he should have won the Oscar. That that's not what we're doing here. Talking about that, um, <laughs> yeah. I think that um, he he did a good enough job, but uh, I wasn't blown away by his character by right. any means. Um, so I guess that would be my number one, and then we'll talk about Game Night. Is that right? I want to make sure. Oh, what I was your? Right. Uh, I think that's right. What was your number two again? Mine was Game Night, which you're going to trumpet to number right. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, we can talk about uh, Game Night then uh, now, unless we do your number one first. Actually, we should do your number one first, I think, is the correct order. Okay. I it's just know we're, we're, like sending, we're sending producer Phil around in circles right now, and he's he's yeah. he's dreading it. But what's your number one? It's a movie you don't like at all. I'm going to go with The Master. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I did not connect to The Master at all. Um, here's an interesting thing. You talk about Charlie Kaufman being an artist. and PTA. You know, PTA is one of those guys, too. Um, and for whatever reason, I don't connect to the type of art that he's doing in movies like The Master, although I do in mm-hmm. The Phantom Thread. So go figure. Uh, you know, it's just kind of hit or miss for me. Um, when he's doing this kind of stuff, but yeah, talk talk about your love for the master, um, because obviously I can't. Uh, uh, I, uh, no pun intended. I think that it is a masterclass in acting, both from Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix. That scene, there's two scenes with them. One at the end, whenever Philip Seymour Hoffman is singing to him, but the one scene where I go, okay, these guys are just acting their pants off right now, and it's the scene where they're in the hull of the ship and. Philip Seymour Hoffman is having Joaquin Phoenix do that, uh, answer all of my questions before you blink mm-hmm. sort of thing. And right. they're just going back and forth. And he's like, nope, you blink. We got to start over. And uh, I'm just watching this going, oh, I am fascinated by what is going on right now. And, you know, it's it's he can't legally say this, but, you know, it's a commentary on Scientology and stuff like that. Uh, sure. How it's supposed to be L. Ron Hubbard is Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. Amy Adams is doing crazy good work in this as well. Um, and how how the uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is like, you see how he preys on the, uh, the unstable and the weak-minded or the vulnerable, you know, and how he can manipulate them to uh, believing he is... A second coming, you mm-hmm. know, like he is the vision of what is to come, and it's it's fascinating. <clears throat> it's fascinating watching scenes where he gets called out on that, and he he quickly just loses his temper. So I think that the master is a fascinating story for me, as well as a masterclass in acting. I love it. Great choice, great choice. Uh, my number one is Game Night. As you mentioned already, yeah. you had it uh, a little bit lower. Uh, I actually just, just number two. <laughs> I actually right, just exactly a little bit lower, just uh, yeah. the slightest bit lower you could actually be. Um, yeah, I actually just watched this again last night. Um, we I watched had, it three nights ago. Isn't that funny? This is such yeah. a rewatchable movie. This may be one of the most oh, rewatchable God. movies ever. It is so funny. It's always funny. I've seen it four or five times, and the the bullet wound scene kills me, slays me oh, every out. single time. <laughs> uh, the oh, he died. Like all that. Oh no, stuff. he died. Rachel McAdams is so good. Uh, this is. 
Uh, and you, I mean, you already know how I feel about Jason Bateman. I think he's so much fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, I just want to hang out with that guy. I want to be friends with him. Um, yeah. So it is, it's just such a pleasant watch. It's also so well done. It doesn't have to be as well crafted as it is. That's the thing about this movie is it could have been just a normally produced comedy and I still would have had a good time. But this movie was like, no, we're going to up the level and do some cool things with camera angles and camera movements. And uh, we're going to do this perspective from above that makes everything look like game pieces. And we're going to do some fun, twisty, turny stuff in the plot that is actually intricate and interesting and actually kind of works when you think about it. And man, I just I am fetched, but it works. It, like it's right, yes, of really, course. Really, really, the yeah, odds it, of this happening is it, insane. It works in the sense that if that in a far-fetched world like this, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the things, the twists that you encounter do make sense. So, um, man, yeah, I just I have nothing but good things to say about this movie. It gets better every time. Um, I would not be surprised if this movie climbs its way onto uh, to my best of all time list uh, and, and keeps climbing it. up because uh, it's just. It is one of those, it reminds me a lot of some of the other comedies on my best of all time uh, list, like What About Bob or Groundhog Day or yeah. other Bill Murray movies, apparently. Uh, <laughs> you know, Bill Murray's not in this one, by the way. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, it's just like, it, it's just quotable. It's fun. I just, I have a blast with this movie every single time. Yeah, and it we haven't even really talked about the guy and it's his best ever challenge. I think that, uh, Jesse Plemons is the funniest part of this entire movie. Yeah, I yeah. think that he kills that role of uh, the uh, what's their neighbor's name? I I can't remember now. It was a uh, it was a officer or something. I just watched it last night. Gary, he was Gary. Gary. That's right, Gary. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I just remember every single time that they they like they have to fake to go into his house and like Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or that moment, or that moment where they they go over because they want to use the computer, and they're like, "Hey, let's do yeah, game night." They're all saying, like, "Oh yeah, Gary." <laughs> <laughs> and he just he oh, just and Billy Magnuson is just so stupid that yeah. you can't not love him. Yeah, He's just so innocent. Uh, yeah, I love this movie. It's great. And like I said before, it wasn't until recently that I watched the post credit scene for this, and it's in Gary's basement with the the Frito Lays. We have never had a three for one offer, and he just wrote in red marker <laughs> lies. That's right. <laughs> oh Proof. man, yeah. I uh, that's actually the mid credit scene. There's actually a post credit oh, scene. Yeah. Oh, with a with a the, fake uh, Denzel. Uh, yeah, the fake Denzel, which is. Even more heartbreaking for Gary. <laughs> well, and on his board, it says, like, with whom is whatever, whom? Debbie, I think. With uh, whom yeah. is Debbie having De- lunch or something like that? <laughs> so I just love that he says, with whom. Uh, anyhow, yeah. this, this movie is so much fun and definitely one. If you oh, haven't yeah. checked out, uh, I think you're definitely going to laugh a little bit uh, at that one. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's move on to our buried treasure for the week, Andrew. Why don't you kick us off? What's uh, that one thing of any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? Shocker, Aaron. Uh I like DC things. What? I know. Hey, hey, Um, hey. Uh, uh, A little bit of a tease. My buried treasure also has to do with DC things. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Mm -hmm. All right, what's yours? Phil, do we have the same? No, I doubt it. (laughs) No, we don't. Uh, um, I'm going to go with the DC animated film that just came out. 
I'm going to go with DC, or it's a Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Okay, tell me about which this is one. The, it's the second movie in the Justice League Dark. It basically, uh, the first movie deals with a, a Batman teaming up with John Constantine mm-hmm. and uh, dealing with supernatural events taking place. Um, and then this movie here is the, you know, the follow-up to it, the conclusion of that story, I guess you could say. Um I've said uh, over and over again that I think that Flashpoint Paradox is my favorite DC animated movie. I've only seen Justice League Dark Apocalypse War once, and I can already say adamantly that it is now my favorite animated movie. Oh, wow. That DC has ever put out. Adamantly, I can say that. It's the best one. Um, you do need to see... Uh, you do need to see uh, the first Justice League Dark and I would even recommend seeing uh, a couple others, like uh, uh, Flashpoint Paradox. You, you might as well see it, uh, just because it gives you a context, and it's like overlapping. You see the whole world. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, the two that you need to see before this would be Justice League Dark and uh, Justice League War, I think, is the one you need to see before you watch this. But once you see those... And uh, if you have a general understanding of the of the DC universe, like you know who Darkseid is or the Suicide Squad or, you know, any of those, you'll you'll get what's going on in this movie. But for context, I think it's really good. Yeah, honestly, a lot of craziness happens in this animated movie, and it ends with one of the most what is going to happen now sort of moments that uh, I uh, adamantly, adamantly say this is the best animo- animated movie they've ever put out. Nice. Nice. Uh, that is uh, DC uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. That's yes. What it's called. And apocalypse is not spelled like you would normally spell it's it. A-P-O-K-O-L-I-P-S. It's A-P-O-K-O-L-I-P-S. Yes. And go. for those of you wondering, that is the planet that Darkseid lives on. Got it. Got it. He lives on the planet Apocalypse. So... Well, I'm not going to get into the whole thing of where Darkseid actually is, but yes, Aaron, what is your very treasure? <laughs> <laughs> Mine also involves DC things, uh, as well as AC things. Uh, I watched the uh, the movie Tesla uh, about the ah, uh, direct current and alternating. Th- yeah, current. alternating current, direct current uh, war between Isn't Tesla. Isn't Jesse Plemons in that? <laughs> uh, he might be. I I don't. I don't think I remember. I remember Jim Gaffigan being in there, if that's who you're thinking of, but I don't remember seeing Jesse Plemons in there. Uh, but it's Ethan Hawke playing Tesla and Kyle McLaughlin playing Thomas Edison and both doing great work here. And I don't know how much you know about the Edison Tesla battle back and forth about ACDC, alternating current, direct current, uh, not the band. This one looks like such a weird, like, transformative look on tesla like i don't know if uh i wanted to hear things about it before i went and watched it so well i'd recommend you would say yeah especially if you're especially if you're a tesla fan if you've kind of studied this or know this stuff i I think this is an interesting way to look at it the the movie is very much kind of um i'm trying to think like you, you know how in the big short it was like its own Wikipedia page at times where it would like yeah. break and say, you yeah, know. that's what it looked like. Yeah. It, this and movie it does that and it works. I think it works. But um, it's, it's, is it his daughter or somebody who's doing the, uh, the commentary or something I like that? I think it's his wife. Um, wife. Okay. If I remember correctly, it's, uh, Ann Morgan. Um, 
played by uh, Eve Hewson. And uh, and so, yeah, and so every once in a while, and actually a couple people do it, but they'll just stop and, you know, I mean, and it's it's even more than like with the big short where it's just talking to the camera, breaking the, you know, the fourth wall. In this case, it's like pulling up Google searches. <laughs> it's like if you Google Nikola Tesla, you will find so and so many results and this kind of thing. <laughs> and and uh, anyhow, I, I thought that was a clever way to kind of get us through some of the exposition that's needed. There's something honest about exposition like that, where it's like, look, we've got to we've got to do some some expositing here, so we're just going to we got to make it, a movie, you know? not a documentary. Right? Yeah. And, and yeah. so it's weird because at times it almost feels like a documentary, but it's definitely a movie. Um, so I would really be curious to hear your thoughts as a Tesla guy. Uh, but it, I definitely felt like I was educated more on their relationship, the relationship between uh, Tesla and Edison, um, kind of what they each were good at. There's the stuff in there about the electric chair and about how Edison used that as a way to almost diminish what Tesla was doing by saying that his was mm-hmm. so dangerous you could use it to execute people. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's just... It's it's a really interesting look, and if you don't know anything about the story, I think it's a fair way to get into it. Uh, by the way, I mentioned Jim Gaffigan. He plays Westinghouse, who teamed up with uh, Tesla to uh, do the... Uh, you know what? I'm forgetting who was who. I think I think uh, Tesla was AC, alternating current, and yes. uh, and Edison was DC, direct current. Yeah, because he uh, talks about the idea of DC being a river flowing one way and being serene and safe and those kind of things but ac is crazy and it goes both ways and it could kill you um so so yeah so anyways if you don't know much about the uh the current wars uh i think this is a fun one to watch and ethan hawk man ethan hawk is taking some roles like he is is a different movie he's doing some thank you thank you he's doing some interesting things lately and uh this is another one that i really enjoyed so so yeah there you go Current wars is one with benedict cumberbatch that's right that's also a recent one that's also a, yeah. uh, just came out recently. So, and that's the one I was thinking you were talking about. And uh, it's not Jesse Plemons who I was thinking of. It was Nicholas Holt who was playing Tesla. Yes, yes, so, I think that's correct. So, yeah, but, two Tesla movies within like what two years of each other? A year, I think a year almost of each other. A year. That just happens, yeah. man. It just it, Hollywood, you know. Yeah. No idea is not worth I'm, having twice. <laughs> but the Ethan Hawke Tesla movie, you you would recommend? Yeah. Yeah, I would. Um, it's it's not a movie that I came away go going. Oh, everybody has to see this, but it is a movie I came away going. Oh, that was interesting. I'm glad I watched it. So that'll kind of okay. give you a, a feel for for kind of what I'm thinking there. Well, we did it, man. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, we did. We did uh, AC and DC. We did direct current yep. and, and alternating current both uh, for the episode today. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today. For Sif Pop, it is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at Studio DNA Media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. I should say Studio DNA.media. Make sure you put that dot in there if you're looking online. Uh, huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Thanks, man. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you being around. I think we'll get you out of here in time to, to catch the Saints game. So uh, you should, shouldn't have to miss any of that. Uh, huge thanks to producer Phil, who is having his own little DC conversation in the chat right now. <laughs> thanks, Phil. Uh, and also much love and gratitude to our members of Sif Pop. Thank you so much for supporting what goes on here, making Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at three bucks a month, comes with some pretty fun perks. 
Uh, you can find out more at patreon.com slash sifpop. Lots of ways to connect with the podcast. Wherever you listen, you can comment, leave a rating, leave a review, especially if it's Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate that. Uh, you can also email us, feedback at sifpop.com. If you have a question you want us to answer, if you have uh, anything you want to say, any thoughts, feedback at sifpop.com works. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like it too. So let them know about it and that listening is much easier than going 127 hours on a superhero's arm. Uh, we will catch you next week with, I'm not sure what yet, but uh, but we'll let you know then. And uh, also you should have a Sif Spoil up in your podcast feed next uh, as we talk a little more in depth about I'm Thinking of Ending Things. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.